Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab. Here we are, uh, let's see, this is episode 495, right? For Friday, March 28, 2014, and we are here uh, on the show floor in San Francisco, California. Uh, here in San Francisco, California, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here, also in San Francisco, California, John F. Braun, and... Pilot Pete does exist. This is uh, the first time we've had Pilot Pete live doing a show with, uh, with us in the same room, uh, perhaps ever. I don't know that we've ever done it in the studio. Oh, with the three of us. That's right. But you, you joined us at uh, a Macworld Expo show years ago over video. Uh, Allison Sheridan from uh, NozillaCast coordinated, unbeknownst to us, she and Pete had, uh, had done that. But here we are. So uh, we have uh, 45 minutes or thereabouts today for the show, and we have uh, a lot of lights in our face, for those of you that aren't here, and uh, a nice a collection of Mac Geekab's finest listeners here in the audience, which is exactly as we would like it. So we're going to... Uh, the format here will be a little bit of uh, cool stuff found, stuff that we've found on the show floor, maybe in the uh, corners that you might not have looked, or maybe you have. And, uh, and so we will intersperse that with a little bit of Stump the Geek. And depending on how long that takes, we've got perhaps another topic uh, talking a little bit about Mavericks. I've got some ideas that I want to ask the guys about. But if we don't get to that today, we'll just do that in show 496. So... Uh, without further ado, Mr. Braun, would you like to uh, kick things off with your, your first Cool Stuff Found pick? Well, I could say my first Cool Stuff Found, as you guys notice here. Yes, I have an iPad. Some people said some people said I would never get one, but uh, the decision was made that I should get one, and now I have it, and I'm actually using it, doing real work with it here. I know. And I have my list on here, a couple of different lists here. So I think the first thing I'm going to point out here, and some of these are articles that are on the site, I'm going to pick the first one here, something called the Pocket Plug from Prong. You folks may have seen this, but if you haven't, what is this? One aggravation that I've run into, um, and I think we've all run into, with both my iPhone 5, which now has the lightning connector, and also the iPhone 4, is that it's a proprietary Apple connector. So you need their cable or their connector. What have these guys done? They have created a case that gives you the two most popular uh, connections to charge things that the rest of the world uses. So it's a case that has one, an actual plug on the back, so it's flattened out, but then you can raise the plug up and actually plug it into a wall outlet. Isn't that cool? And the other thing is it also has a micro USB, which uh, from what I understand is non-Apple phones, that's what they tend to like to use for uh, for both powering and or syncing, and uh, these guys are on the floor here. The iPhone 5 version is $70. The iPhone 4 version uh, is $60. They have a discount right now at the show here. Uh, and I guess the only caveat is the iPhone 5 version only powers. It does not uh, sync, but the iPhone 4 version does. Okay. So I thought it was cool. It, my, my headline was it'll let you charge pretty much anywhere you are. That's awesome. Uh, and, and we've got a mic up front and Guy Searle from the MyMac podcast, which I never listen to. Uh, is going to help uh, 
help field questions. So uh, we'll do we'll do one round of cool stuff found here just to get into a little bit of rhythm. And then if uh, think about your questions, and, and then we'll have you raise your hand, and Guy will, Guy will come and uh, facilitate that for all of us and for you. So Pete, uh, you said you had a cool stuff found that you were. I do. All right, good. Does it cut in from your corners a little bit? You know, I haven't looked at it that closely. Okay. So I'm just wondering where they get the space from, right? No, I didn't yeah. notice that they had. That may be what their trick is. I, I, but I was astounded. And you can set with a slide the level of stabilization that you want or not. And one of the interesting things is, like I said, they had a child skiing, and someone's obviously skiing along with a child, and their phone is shaking, and... and um, uh, I happen to have video of my eight-year-old son learning to ski this year. So I, I bought the app and put it right on there, and then it stabilized it in an amazing way. And the guy's like, wait a minute. Oh, that's not our video. That's So it's almost identical to his. But it, it's fabulous uh, stabilization. Um, it's two ninety nine here at the show, and I think regularly three ninety nine. dollars um, But, that's but worth money. every penny. It really yeah. is. Uh, well, for what it does for shaky video, and it does work with outside cameras. So anything using the H.264 uh, uh, codec for video is uh, it works with it. Awesome. All right, uh, I'm going to go with Hyder Two from the folks at Mac Paw. They're the, they're the folks that made Clean My Mac. They've made Hyder for years. That has not been. Uh, um, I guess Hyder just would, never became a popular product for them. But I think with Hyder Two, it's going to change. Hyder is a an interface to make file-based encryption really, really easy. So you have files or folders worth of files on your Mac. Uh, you just drag them from your desktop or from the Finder into your, um, right into your into the, their, the, the hider window. It copies it in, encrypts it, and then deletes it from your Mac. Uh, so it, it ensures that, that you've got what you think you had. And, uh, and the, the real trick for them is just the UI. It's very, very straightforward and, uh, and works really, really well. It comes out, uh, when does it come out? I think, I think it comes out on Monday uh, or April 2nd or something like that. So Tuesday maybe? I don't know. Tuesday. That's uh, Tuesday. So she's saying Tuesday. Babe. She's saying Tuesday. Yeah. All right, sweet. Thanks. Uh, so, uh, so check it out. And it, it is storing each, even if you put a folder's worth in there, it's not like it's putting it on a disk image. Um, it, it is individually encrypting each file. So if there is some hard drive corruption, it's, you know, when that happens to a disk image, you could lose everything on the encrypted disk image. Whereas with file-based uh, encryption, if, if you do happen to get some corruption just on the drive as a matter of your normal course, it would only affect that one file and doesn't affect anything else. So, uh, so that's that. All right, do we have a question? Oh, nobody has a question. Oh, there we are. All right. And you'll be happy to know that my hands have been sanitized for your protection. <laughs> I feel so much better. Thank you. Um, my name is Phil Geller. Um, I am trying to find a solution for somebody who has a massive photo collection and an Air, Air, iPad, I'm sorry, a MacBook Air, 
and a few other computers, and they want to be able to access that photo collection from anywhere they are in the world. And looking at different cloud-based you know, solutions, is there anything that works with iPhoto? And she also has a music collection and a few other things, but is there anything that, that can put all those things in the cloud but let you use native apps or something that's close to iPhoto, iTunes, and apps of that elk? So native apps is where I think that stops. Um, in order to live in Apple's ecosystem, you have to live in Apple's ecosystem. So there's PhotoStream, but that is not a full solution or full answer to your problem. You could use something like Plex, uh, and that will share your photos. Uh, and, and you can even point it at an iPhoto library. Um, and it does a pretty good job of kind of parsing in there and, and then, of course, we'll share, you know, anywhere you want. Your computer becomes the cloud. If you put a Plex server on your Mac, say, uh, it becomes the cloud. You can, as, as long-time listeners know, you can also put Plex on, on NAS units and, and other devices. But, but certainly, you could put that. Um, that would be one way of doing it. Not entirely native apps, but um, probably pretty close to the experience you're looking for and, and some decent flexibility. I'm, but I'm, that's what comes to mind for me. That's the beauty of Stump the Geek is... We don't know what you're going to ask, and I, I like it that way. Any, any thoughts from either of you? Uh, if you're talking access from anywhere, so I was very sad when iWeb shut down because I used to publish my photos using iWeb, and the integration with the OS was very nice. Once they abandoned that, I had to look for something that would let me access my photos, and I have a ton of them. I eventually went, first I went from iPhoto to Aperture just because iPhoto... Uh, kind of struggles handling my 100 gigabyte photo library, which it's about that size, and I like to have it all in one place. Aperture does it a lot better. I actually settled on, for allowing cloud access, uh, Flickr, which I think at this point, uh, I, I think I bought it when they had Flickr Pro, but now they've, they've you know given that up. But I believe they offer you a terabyte of photo storage. Uh, Aperture and, last I checked, iPhoto integrates nicely with Flickr, uh, and they also have a client for iOS. So you may want to consider using the Flickr synchronization in iPhoto and the uh, app that's available on various platforms to access. Uh, you're still going to have to go, uh, I mean, no matter what you're doing, you're still going to have to go through the exercise, which, you know, I'm terrible at this. I have stuff that I haven't purged in, in ages and I haven't organized my stuff. And it's, it's you know, very time consuming. Just but, buy more storage. You don't need to purge. Yeah. yeah. No, I, we need to. No, those of us who. Who do photography in Mac circles? We always uh, we actually joke about it. One of our friends who's a very good photographer. We always call it barding the photographs, which, for most, we acknowledge means that you t about ninety percent of the photographs that you take are going to be ones that you're not happy with, or at least in my case they are. So, um, but yeah, I would I would recommend Flickr and the Flickr integration uh, with iPhoto as, as something to explore. Yeah, it works with uh, iPhoto. That's that's the main thing there, uh, and the one that I don't know about yet, but they tell me they're announcing it coming forth is the transporter is going to have camera upload very soon. So I have a feeling you'll be able to have your files on your transporter or your transporter sync, have it camera upload and then integrate with your iPhoto. Um, and I don't know, what do you think about having your iPhoto library on your transporter? I, the only caution I know of is don't have somebody else open that library at the same time because it's not right. a shared database. We keep our iPhoto libraries on a NAS drive. It's fun. Okay. But, but like you said, you've got to coordinate. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Another question or are we diving back into cool stuff found here? I don't see hands going up three. John, ready? I'm ready. Um, 
All right, let me take a measure here from the audience. How many people here have a dog or cat? Okay, then you'll probably like this. No. Okay. You got two of us on stage here, John. <laughs> and this may snake. apply to other animals here, but I found these guys on the show floor, and it just tickled me what they're doing here, and I, I can't believe no one had thought of it first. So there are, of course, cameras. Uh, there are solo vendors. Uh, Dropcam is the one that I've experienced recently. There's another vendor on the floor here that have cameras where you can monitor what's happening from home whether it be your, your kids, your pets, or whatever. But this thing that I, I saw here on the show floor is specifically designed for pets, and it's called PetCube. So right now, they have so free software available that you can use to organize your pet photos. But here's the cool part about the PetCube. So it kind of looks like a Borg cube. And so it has a few components, but the one that really tickles me. So one, of course, is a camera. So you can run their app. You can monitor your pets. Uh, you know, I guess it connects to Wi-Fi. So you can see what your pets are doing. So you can, you, you can see this not just from being in the house, but you can, like, I, if I had this thing at home, I could get to it from my iPhone here. That's my understanding. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah similar to Dropcam. So, so there, there, there's, you know, several Wi-Fi cameras. But this one, so it's a Wi-Fi camera. It has a camera. There's also audio capability, so you can hear what's going on, and then you can also speak to the pet. But then here's the part that just... When the pet talks back, that's when you got to worry. Yeah, I got one of those with no, Hector if, the bird. If the pet talks back yeah. and you can understand it, that's when you have to start yeah. worrying. Yeah. But here's the part that it has that pet owners will appreciate, and I understand this applies to both cats and dogs. It has a remote control laser pointer. So imagine this. i got to get one of these. And actually, if you, yeah, so it's a, a pet cube. If you look it up, and they actually have a video. I mean, it's a hilarious video, and they're... Uh, I, I just thought it was clever. And so the, so the pricing on this, um, the, the pricing that they told me, uh, it's going to be available in May, and it's going to be $199 for the, uh, for the pet cube unit. So if you want to be closer to your pets or see what they're up to or entertain them while you're away, then I... I entertain, yeah. Not psychologically torment. That's No, 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 Pete. That's right. It's a, uh, uh, John, it, that's a low-powered laser, right? That's right. That's right, guys. Just wanted to check that. Yes, that's correct. That's a low-powered low laser. Yeah, just don't leave it on too long. Um, I found another thing. This, 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 this falls into the category of cool stuff found that people yell at me about because it's not cheap. Um, but we don't like to recommend cheap stuff. So, and this isn't too bad. Well, I guess it is. The, um, the, 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 the Fujitsu folks are here with their ScanSnap offering. And they've got a new scanner. Uh, they said for years they had had people asking them uh, how to solve the problem of a flat, or the, the people wanted a ScanSnap family flatbed scanner, and the ScanSnaps don't do that. They they aren't that it, it totally doesn't fit their whole model of just put your documents in and let it scan them. With a flatbed, you've got this very manual process where you open up the scanner, you put something in, you close it down, you press the button to scan, and then add, rinse, repeat. Uh, all the time. So uh, they've got this cool thing, and it, it's, it's actually, um, it reverses the process. It, it's, uh, it's on a big stand that's it, sort of built into the scanner, and the scanner aims down. So you put your documents face up on your desk or table in front of the scanner, and it's got a little motor in it, and it's got a CCD and some lights. It has a camera, but it doesn't use the camera for scanning. Uh, it uses the camera to sense when things are in front of it. Um, but it, it actually has a CCD that it uses to scan, and it, it just, you know, you see it kind of draw the, the, the beam of light across your document, and what's cool is it falls into the ScanSnap category, right? It's part of that family, so it's got all that smarts in the software 
they were showing me they were scanning a, uh, an open book. Now books, when you open them up, you know, the, the pages curl a little bit just naturally from the way the, uh, the book and the bindings work. And uh, it totally, you know, fixes that. It senses it in the software. It realizes that you've got a two-page book. It does that. And what's cool and where that camera comes in handy is it's got, it knows when you've taken the page and flipped it. And now it will scan the next two pages. And then when you flip them, it scans the next two pages. So it makes this process as painless as it could possibly be um, and totally replaces the idea of a flatbed scanner by literally turning it upside down. So it's $7.95, not cheap, uh, but, uh, but good stuff. And that is the, uh, I believe, the SV, uh, yeah, SV600 uh, ScanSnap from Fujitsu. So, Pete, you got one? I do have one. Oh. All right. Uh, who here has kids? Uh, I found that... Uh, I've got my, extras of those, too, just yeah, like the pets. i got extras, yeah. To, okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I two, still have two in the house, and I find one of the things that uh, is difficult to do is consistency with uh, getting their chores done and the rewards and that sort of thing. And I think I'm probably more inconsistent in the allowance and that sort of thing than even they are in their chores. There's an app over here called Chorinator, and I think it's $2.99, might be $3.99, uh, and you create an, you, one app purchase, covers everybody, uh, and then you can put it, uh, you know, you, my wife and I will each have it on our, our iPad, and then designate each of the kids and what their chores are. And when they complete their chore, they tap their, the chore done on their iPad, or you, there's a kid mode, so they can use your iPad if, if they don't have an iPad. Um, they can tap their name on it, and there's a parent code preventing them from going in and changing the, yeah, the chores done, that sort of thing. Um, and then once, for instance, they clean up their room and make their bed, and someone suggested make sure you have a wide-angle lens on that so they don't put everything in one corner and only clean part of the room. So, no, so once the room is clean, they can then tap that and say, my room is clean, and take a picture to prove it or feed the dog and that sort of thing. Once that's done, then the parents can validate it, and they get... St- you can do stars or monetary rewards, that sort of thing. And then in my case, I'm gonna, I intend on banking privileges. You know, 15 stars will allow you to get a sleepover this weekend with your friends. 10 stars will get you an hour of video game time, that sort of thing. So it's right over here on the show floor, Chorinator. And it uh, looks like it's going to help consistency on both sides of getting the chores done. Right, yeah, well, yeah. that's the trick. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, do we have any other questions? We are uh, We are dry with stump the geek today that's all right that's that's part of the the the, the um that's part of rolling the dice is uh we, we got a question up here G- mr guy Searle from the my mac podcast will bring you the mic sir just keep it close you. to your face there you go I will. that's perfect um, Thank my you. name is lou and i'm from sunnyvale near here and i'm about to expose myself as a non-geek but every once in a while on my mac i will get um something will lock up it will hang and I will get this page of data, and it—I don't know how to read that. Is there—is there some code or somewhere I can go to figure out what all that stuff means? Needs a new Mac. No, it means—it oh, okay. it doesn't mean a new <laughs> Mac. A good excuse. <laughs> That's not how we solve problems here. Justified uh, a new Mac. I'm sounds to what you described sounds to me like uh, a kernel panic. Uh, where the system has has effectively hit a brick wall and will go no further and dumps out its last little bit of information for you uh, before you are meant to t- switch it off and try again, right? So, um, 
sometimes those logs can be helpful, but you're really only getting the last page of the console log there. So oftentimes what you're going to see is I died. And, and you, right, you, you know, where, what's valuable, often, more, more valuable most of the time is when you reboot and it comes back up, you'll get a message that says your Mac died. Uh, do you want to send these logs to Apple? You can take a look at that. It, again, is far more data than you ever would find useful. But if you, if you start reading it, you'll see it, it says, you know, thread number X crashed. And it might be thread four or thread zero. And, and if, if you kind of go down in that, you sometimes can see, get a feel for what was causing the crash. If nothing else, if you take a look at it and see, you know, let's say it crashes today and then uh, crashes three days from now, if it's the same thing causing that crash, that's an interesting metric, right? Um, my feeling, and John, you may have a separate feeling on this, but when it's the same thing over and over again causing it, that's typically software. You've got some driver that's not playing right. I mean, if it's, if it's kernel panicking, it's, it's going to be pretty low-level software. Um, but if it's different things, it most likely is hopefully RAM. Uh, when RAM goes bad, that, that will happen because it goes to write, or write to or read from RAM and just hits a wall. Uh, and dies. So, uh, if it, if, and if it's happening at different times and is, has no consistency, hopefully RAM could also be a motherboard, uh, you know, just to, just to cover all the bases here. But that's kind of my feeling on it. Mr. Braun? So I want to be clear on what you're seeing here. So there's one thing that you can see where you're running the Mac, you still have the graphical interface, and then it comes up and says something along the lines of like an unexpected error occurred, the program will quit. Is that, that's what you're seeing? Okay, so then you will be seeing at some point, and then it usually says, do you want to report this to Apple, which in my opinion, the, you know, it's a good idea. But yeah, typically it'll be compressed and you won't see anything, and when you expand it, you'll see what Dave is referring to, which is, yeah, called a, well, they call it a crash report. And there are actually places you can find these. I, I don't have the exact one. We'll, we'll have to mention it in the next show. But they're actually stored and then every now and then are sent off to Apple. And if you look through them, like Dave said, a lot of it, is incomprehensible gibberish unless you're a software or hardware engineer. But, for example, I came up with one. So uh, I'll give you an example of one where it did have the, enough information to help, uh, help us solve the person's problem. So one thing, usually it'll say the reason that something bad happened was either a crash, but sometimes it'll say hang. And the thing is, the OS, if it sees something hanging and doing nothing for a while, it treats it the same as a crash. And it's going to be like, okay, you're confused. I'm just going to make you stop doing what you're doing. Now, the report that that person gave, it actually indicated the thread where the problem was. And by looking at the line after line after line, this is a problem with, uh, I believe it was iPhoto. And there was one line that said, oh, you know what? I'm having a problem loading this QuickTime component. As it turns out, what happened is that you can add extensions to a lot of programs, including iTunes and iPhoto. And what happened in this case was QuickTime, iPhoto actually takes advantage of QuickTime to do image processing and other things. He actually had an ancient plugin located uh, deep in the system here that iPhoto was choking on. And as soon as he removed that, it fixed it. So the report was able to help diagnose. And we've had people send them to us. Sometimes, yeah. again, it's Sometimes it's useless. Uh, but sometimes in this case, it said it, it, it led me to believe it was QuickTime component, and it was. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I got on those. All right, uh, we have uh, another question. Yeah, what, what's that? 
You want to follow up here, sir? Random, you random sir here? Yes, please follow up. Yeah. So. Well, I wanted your permission before I do it live, or if I could do it after the show. No, don't go ahead and follow up a little bit. So the text that you, you saw a text on the screen, was it white text on a black background up in the upper left corner? The f- a, f- a full screen of text? So I, I, I'm, just, I'm just translating here for the audience at home. It, we, the keyboard is useless, and, and you see no windows. You just have a full page. The, the entire screen is text. That's a kernel panic. And it's, it's written in about seven or eight different languages? Huh. No. All right. Well, we, we will follow up afterwards. The and this is, this, is, this is part of you know, what we go through when, uh, when we prep the show, of course, is there's some questions. We, we have the benefit of answering the question without follow-up information, so we can sound really, really smart. Um, even if we've completely misinterpreted what you wrote in. Uh, but we do get the follow-ups via email, of course, from you, and, and we do follow up there. Um, so, John, I, I, um, I, I want to I, I half-surprise you here, but um, I want to talk a little bit about Mavericks, uh, and then we'll come back around and do at least one more round of Cool Stuff Found and, uh, and perhaps another question if we've got one. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're here. It's, it's uh, Macworld, iWorld. Right, but the Mac is is well represented here. Um, in fact, even over at at Antex booth, they've got a Hackintosh running that's running faster than uh, than a Mac Pro, which is kind of cool. And you should go check it out. Um, and you couldn't have done that when Apple was exhibiting here. So kudos to them. Uh, <laughs> at least I don't think you could have. I don't know. I don't, I'm pretty sure they didn't get permission, but that's good. Good good on them. But anyway, I want to talk about Mavericks because Mavericks has been out for uh, what about six months now, I guess, right? And uh, and we moan and, and whine a lot about Mavericks because that's sort of what we do on the show. We don't intentionally moan and whine, but we solve problems. And that in, involves uh, at least, you know, uh, talking about the parts that don't work. So I want to uh, just go through, and Mavericks brought a lot of new things to us. And so I just want to go quickly or not quickly, uh, we have about 15 minutes left here, uh, through and 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 kind of get our, our quick take on, on several of the things that Mavericks brought to us, whether it be uh, good or, or otherwise. So um, I, will, uh, I will start with one that I don't know your feelings on the answer to. We're going to avoid email and compressed memory for a couple of minutes because we don't want to get into fish shake mode too quickly. But, um, but uh, AppNap, John, your thoughts on uh, AppNap in, in Mavericks? Because that's a cool thing that it brought, right? Um, and yeah, that's actually in the category. So I was cheating here, looking at a as you should at the web page here. Yeah. But, um, yeah. One of the things that I think they did properly and really helped open my eyes, and it was also good to help people understand what the heck Mavericks is doing underneath the covers, is that, and I would say AppNap is a part of it, but just the memory, the, the energy, making you aware of what's happening energy-wise and energy management. I think they did a good job with that. So between AppNap, and then also the um, activity monitor component uh, of the operating system, which I hope some of you have looked at, but the, well, both the menu, so the energy menu or the battery menu, it'll identify, if you use it, I don't at this time, but if you use it, it'll actually tell you which applications are memory ho- are, are energy hogs, which if you're on a desktop, that's probably not such a big a deal, but if you're on a portable, that's a real big deal. Um, and also they have energy management, I would say, in, in terms of, for example, uh, certain plugins like Flash, 
Um, which so, in Safari, they may not run that content unless you explicitly want it because running video takes more juice and more processor. Well, yeah, with, with AppNap, uh, um, and that's one of the cool things. I, I, I give Apple a thumbs up on, on the AppNap portion of this for sure with Mavericks. Um, and we ta- again, we take a lot of the good things for granted, uh, especially when we, ha- we run into problems or changes. But, um, but the, the fact that it will stop running a video in a, a window, as soon as that window is no longer visible to you, um, and that can be because you've brought another app up front or whatever, but that, I think that's a good thing. Okay, so, um, Pete, thoughts I, I on got that? one in there. My favorite is uh, tabbed finder window. Oh, well, you're jumping around, but let's oh, go to tab okay. finder. No, it's oh, fine. Okay. No, yeah. jump, to, okay. jump to the next one. That was actually my next one. So There you go. Yeah, though, there's been a lot of changes to the finder, including the tabbed tab, windows. Tabbed and finders, like tabs in a browser now, and it makes it so nice to move a file from one place uh, on the drive to another or to, to get an alias where you want it, that sort of thing. I absolutely love it. It, it has replaced my need to have something like uh, a Pathfinder, yeah. Or, or, or forklift, Total which I which I both use. So yeah, right. forklift yeah. I love though because it still has the FTP component. Right. D- does Finder? I don't know. Does Finder do FTP? It'll read from FTP, but it won't write to it. Is that okay. correct? I, I you know I gave up on it so long ago when that was how it was that which is why I wanted to do this and you know because right. tabbed Finder stuff I I remember about it and then I forget. H- how many people in the audience here are using Mavericks? Okay, so a good, at least more than 50%, probably 70%. Of those of you that are using Mavericks, how many of you use the Finder tabs, which is a new thing in Mavericks? So about half. And for the rest of you that aren't using it, is it because you forgot that or didn't know that it was there? How many of those? That's, that's me. Yeah, okay, right. So, so they, it, it, it actually works really well, and it's cool. It's just like in the browser. Uh, so, yeah, I think... Thumbs up on that one. Yeah, and one of the well, one of the tricks with it, if you want to move a file from one area to another, you have your two tabs open. Take the file and just drag it up to the tab, and it drops it into the new, new location. So, so speaking of moving files, uh, Mavericks does some stuff under the hood that we don't even notice. Uh, previously, when two Macs would talk to each other, or any non-Mavericks machine talks to another Mac, uh, it communicates over AFP, Apple File Protocol. Mavericks now uses SMB2. Uh, for file transfers, and they say that that's supposed to make things faster. I'm not sure that I've seen any notable speed improvement, but it certainly hasn't gotten worse. John, any any thoughts on? Because uh, I know you got two Macs that you move files between at home. As the SS, as S, oh, you don't run Mavericks on both of them, so you aren't experiencing SMB2 yet. No, I have, but both of my. Nasty. Yeah, I have everything on on AFP, on AFP still. I okay. could have them on SMB, but I but I don't. Sure, sure, of course. Okay, so we'll leave that one. Yeah, as I haven't have yeah. either. Yeah, it's one of those things you just don't think about because it just happens in the background. So, all right. Uh, well, I, I'll I'll bring us back to the Finder because there were a couple of changes in the Finder, so we'll we'll do a couple subcategories of that. Uh, do you use, anybody use Finder in the full screen here on stage or or in the in the crowd? Anybody doing full screen Finder? No. Did you know that you could? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm not sure about that. About it, yeah. yeah. I don't know that it's I need 27 like inches of you finder. You put it in your workflow and then use it a few times before it becomes That's, yeah. part of your workflow. I've, I've shunned, for the most part, anything that goes into full screen because a lot of times I can't figure out how to get out of it. To me, instinctually, I would be like, well, escape should get me out. Or maybe hitting F again. But when that doesn't happen, then it's like, oh, now what? Now, yeah. Then I got to do... You just go up and click up in the corner. Command option escape. Away. And just pull the, the plug. <laughs> it's just not so bad. It's, it's just upper right-hand corner. Take care of that for you. 
But you know, in that vein, though, they have improved. Now, I'm I'm not in a multi-screen setup yet, but my understanding is, and I think you confirmed this. I mean, they did it, the multi-screen behavior pre-Mavericks was kind of chaotic. Uh, so the multi-screen behavior, we can we can move on to that as a, a another topic where we will rate Mavericks. The multi-screen behavior pre-Mavericks was a little bit archaic and felt funky. The, for me, the multi-screen behavior in Mavericks actually got worse, and so I've gone back to the old way. Um, it, because any time I started doing things, uh, I, it was jumping things between windows, and it may be that I spend a lot of time in Skype, and, uh, and Skype gets funky with, with multi-screens, at least the way I was using it in, in Mavericks. So I, I've gone back to the old way, but the new way is better because you can have a full-screen app on one monitor, and, and and then windowed mode on the other monitor, and it's it's it it's using spaces, is what Mavericks has done to to, it, I mean it it's a hack. They took a piece of tech that was in the OS and made it, applied it in a in a new way. Uh, so, um, yeah. So there you go. How about tags? Tags. Do you use tags in the Finder? Well, I used to color code things. Sure. And things are still kind of color coded, but not at the level they were before. So I'm actually not pleased with what they did because before I would have an entire. Fo- yeah, and that question came up and I couldn't answer it. No. So people were like, well, I used to have a folder and I made it red and that made it really easy for my workflow. Now I see it maybe in a list view and it has a little red dot next to it and it's certainly not as visually obvious that, that it's special. Sure. So. All right, so we've had tabs, tags, full screen mode, and uh, and copies. So uh, I think tabs we've 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 given a thumbs up to. Everything else that's new in the Finder, it sounds like is flat. Nothing bad, just flat. We don't need full screen Finder. All right, we've got multiple. We took care of multiple displays as a tangent in there. Nicely done, John. I appreciate that. Um, I, I like that it's price. The price is great. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we love that price. So for those that don't know, Mavericks is free and retroactive all the way back to, I think, the MacBook, the 13-inch MacBook. Will well, yeah, I think it's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Uh, how about iCloud Keychain? I know we've discussed this on the show recently, but uh, I, have, I have recently adopted a, a, a hybrid approach, I'll call it, where I'm using iCloud Keychain as well as one password. I tried LastPass, loved some things about it. Uh, iCloud Keychain thankfully does those things, which is auto-filling inside my browser without me having to trigger anything. And, uh, and so iCloud Keychain t- took over. I've, I've uninstalled LastPass, and, um, and I use one password and iCloud Keychain, and the one password folks actually said they're going to do a little bit maybe to tweak that integration because they totally get that there's people that want to have iCloud keychains so that when you're on in Safari on your iOS device, you can get there. So thoughts on the iCloud keychain? Have you, have you turned it on even, John? No. Okay. I'm, no. You know, I, I mean, I'm curious. This is part of the experiment with the iPad to see if that winds up being something. Because that's what drove me. If it was just on my Mac, I would it have may. stayed with 1Password. Like I mentioned to you, I'm hesitant because we at one point did have iCloud keychain. We, and then they took it away from us. Yes. And I was hurt by Apple I know, hey, giving me something and taking it away. And, and I don't want to go through the trauma of having it being taken away again. So I think I want to give it some time here. Whereas LastPass, <laughs> at this point, I'm serious. No, it, it, uh, I, I get LastPass, it. at this point, I have not been disappointed with LastPass. LastPass 
some uh, they made a lot of improvements in their uh, I think they're a 2.0 now their 2.0 interface they made a lot of improvements versus in the past yeah and I'm happy with it it does what I need it, it, sure. which is basically you know I have the app on iOS so yes it is a bit more work for me if I don't remember the password which that's kind of the point I shouldn't remember what my password is to a certain site because it's in LastPass right. but they have the app on iOS so if I do go to a site where I need the password and it's not one that I recall or type in regularly, then I'll use the iOS app, LastPass app, look it up, and then paste it in. Sure. So yes, that's kind of archaic, and I know I can use the iCloud keychain, and maybe I'll warm up to it eventually yeah. once I, I trust them. No, I, I, yeah, totally. No, and, I, and iOS is the driver there. You know, the more you do on iOS, the more iCloud keychain, be, to me anyway, becomes a, a really attractive thing. All right, one last, uh, one last thing. Um, I'm not even going to get into compressed memory because we've been there, right? We all have problems with compressed memory, right? We, we give that a thumbs down, am I, uh, right? Okay. Well, you've had the, the, the hangs too, well, the right, John? Is, I don't, I'm not sure if you can necessarily blame compressed, compressed memory on it. I can, because I used to do the same things in Mountain Lion and my machine wouldn't hang for four minutes while it decided what to do next. All right, but how do you, how do you know that's memory-related? How do you know it's not just... Because I can see it moving RAM in and out of the kernel task oh. process, which okay. is how it, how it reflects what's going on with memory compression. Okay. So it's cool that, it's, that, that, that this concept of memory compression is awesome. And, I, you know, it's on iOS, too. And, I, you know, it's great. They just need to keep working on it. I, that's my feeling. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a good idea. Oh, it's a great I, I, idea. But I don't, th and some of you, I don't know, Ram Doubler? Anybody remember Ram Doubler? Yeah. Okay, all right, we got some veterans, veteran Apple users. Yeah. Yeah, and that's trying to accomplish the same thing. And, and again, in theory, it's a good idea that if you're not using some memory, well, you know, compress it. Heck, yep. give, it, give, give some more up here. I, and I think we've concluded, for the most part, that our friends, um, uh, friends who make Memory Keeper uh, help. And he even one of the guys even explained in a little bit more detail their yeah. strategy is that they're kind of going behind the scenes and kind of. Well, they're just moving. forcing a purge before yeah. the system gets to the point where it's going to go nuts trying yeah. to fix it for you another way. Yeah, it's a band aid for sure, but Memory Keeper is the solution there. All right, do we have one last question? We do, right back here. Mr. Guy Searle is going to bring the uh, microphone. One of these days, I'm going to listen to your podcast, Guy, because you're really helping us out today. I absolutely should. All right. Okay, you brought this question up. The other day I did my first keynote presentation for a while, and all of a sudden my menu and everything was on the projected slide instead of on the screen. It was on the projector instead of the screen, and how, did I get, how do I get it back on my computer where it should be? So you, you wanted, uh, okay, so you want your main screen to be your computer's screen, not, right. the, not the connected screen, yeah, correct? Yeah, and so, it, yeah, so that I can turn things on and off. And, right, yeah. right, right. So if you go into, and I think we talked about this on a recent show, but, um, but it, it's, it bears repeating because it's a, a very tiny thing. You go into system preferences, displays. And when you have a second monitor connected, you will see an arrangement tab. And that tab is great because you can use it to tell it how your monitors are laid out in physical space. So your extended monitor may be to the left of your Mac, and so you drag that over to the left in the little window and tell it how, you know, at, at what level it is. And that way when you drag windows, it feels like this very seamless process and you just have one screen that gets extended. That's awesome. 
also on that screen. It identifies what the main screen is by showing a little white menu bar at the top of that main screen. That menu bar is draggable. You can grab that and drag it into, so it, I'm, I'm guessing in your case, you will see that on your external screen in the arrangement tab. Just drag the little menu bar. It's tiny. It's like, you know, four pixels high or something stupid. And you just drag it in. And, uh, and we have a follow-up over here from David, I believe, right? If that's who that is? Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so Guy will bring the mic over. Thanks for doing this, Guy. You're a man among men. Also in the... Oh, yeah. Watch that the, speaker that you're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, in Keynote Preferences, you can do, choose which display is your presentation display compared to your monitoring display. That's right. Yeah. And that, that's the other half of that. My guess is that you had your uh, menus on, on the local... Or your... Uh, your presenter notes on the local machine, but yeah, you can you can flip that in the keynote preferences as well. Thank you, David. Yeah. All right, one last uh, one last round of cool stuff found, and uh, we'll wrap this up because it's a I'll call it a short Mac Geek Gab. I believe the first Mac Geek Gab was 42 minutes long, so uh, so we've already gone beyond that, I believe. Uh, but uh, but that's okay. John, you want to you want to kick off this last round here? I think I will. Please do then. This one is short and sweet. Maybe I'll have you one more. So this, so this one's really quick. I promise. Go. Air Extender Turbo. If you want 802.11c and your computer does not have it, but it has USB 3. It's a small device. These guys are on the show floor. It's $80. And it will give you up to, which I guess is the, the theoretical maximum of 802.11ac is 867 megabits per second. So that's it. USB with, with 3 the two on antennas. one side. Yeah. And it does, I believe it does both 2.4 and 5 gigahertz from what I saw the product description. It'll support all the protocols up to AC. So. And it will work with USB 2 as well. You just will max out at 480 That would be my assumption. Megabits. No, I, I, I talked to him. Yeah. And it will work fine that way. Do we, we have a comment here in the crowd, Guy? Can you, uh, I, I can tell when Brian's itching to say something, we just got to let him say it. So. I, I also wanted to let you know they also have an extender also, so you can let you extend your network. That's something I've yep. been finding with some of my clients where they obviously need a larger house, need to be able to get it so it extends the network, so those guys do it. Extender. Yep. I don't know how good it is, but it's, they, they, yeah, do, they have the extender. It. It's, it's not out yet. Right, yeah. right. But I guess it's, yeah, it's a booster. You put it, yeah, if you're in a spot where you're getting crummy reception, this yep. will help amplify, I guess, the signal, right. which yep. could be better, cool. could be worse. Yeah. All right, Pete? Camino, uh, that's spelled with a K, K A M I N O. So not the browser, right? No, <laughs> it's uh, it's a it's an iOS app, and uh, it's it's going to be. It, they're working on the crowdsourcing of it right now. Yeah, they call it the ultimate urban discovery app. So when you go to a new city, and you want to get a little bit off the beaten path, other people with this app have put in, "Hey, eat here. This is great. This is a great place for uh, sightseeing. This is a great place to eat." Those sorts of things. So you can kind of get off the beaten path and not only see the highlights that a city is famous for, but see some of the things that you might not otherwise see without, uh, you know, it's just like uh, asking a friend who lives there, even if you don't know anybody in that town, uh, what uh, what's a good place to go uh, and eat, go a good walk, those sorts of things. Cool. And uh, and I do have one other quick, uh, this is a twofer. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. My Talking Pet, anim- it's an iOS app that animate your uh, pet's photos and then voice them over and uh, they're a scream. I had some fun with my mother-in-law and her little dog, so. <laughs> cool. Uh, all right, so the last one for me will be 
something that I, I wouldn't believe it if I hadn't seen it. It's called Whoosh 3D, W-H-O-O-S-H 3D. Uh, it is a combination of an app that is free and a screen cover. Screen, it's a screen protector, but it's also, the screen protector has some special sauce in it that allows you to view 3D uh, movies and you, you use their app to play them and you can actually put a, like the 3D avatar as it would be in 3D on your, uh, you know, on, as an M4V file that you would have to play on your 3D TV, otherwise you'd see side-by-side -side images. And you run it through this app and play the movie and without goggles or special glasses or anything, you can watch this thing in 3D. Uh, the, and it works. And you can set some things. You can set how much 3D it is and how deep it goes. And you can also switch it to 2D mode and it will actually take a 3D movie and make it 2D so that you can watch that way. Um, it will also take 2D movies and attempt to add some depth to them uh, in a 3D way, and it actually works very, very well. It took some GoPro movies that, uh, that somebody had taken doing some bungee jumping, and it, it added some depth to it and was very, very cool. So uh, it's uh, 30 bucks for the iPhone cover, that, that then enables this. The app is free, and they, I think it's going to be 60 for the iPad, and that's the mini Air or uh, full-size iPad, whatever we... I guess that's still the four, right? So, um, so yeah, it's interesting. They've just figured out whatever it takes, and, and at the distance we watch our iPads, I guess the tech works well enough. So uh, that's all we've got. Anything, uh, anything else? I, I guess we can't really have anything else because time-wise, that's... That's the end of it. I do want to thank, um, I, I want to make sure to thank all the exhibitors here at Macworld Expo in general. They, um, in, in addition to hopefully gaining some of your business, they also are the ones that are supporting this show and making this happen at this scale. So uh, without the exhibitors, this is in a hotel somewhere and you're in a conference room seeing us as opposed to on the show floor. So that's cool. And if you're coming to Cirque du Mac tonight, even if you're not, uh, I do want to thank our sponsors there. We've got Merlin, Antec Mobile Products, Otherworld Computing, Drobo, MacKeeper, and the Omni Group. And those companies deserve a very special uh, thank you because they're not pitching you at the party. They're just paying for your good time. So uh, it's very cool what they do for this community. So thank you to all of you that came here. Thank you to everybody at home that, uh, that listened through this with us. Thanks, Pilot Pete, for joining us on stage. Thanks for having me. It's been a thrill. Thanks, John, for podcasting with me for almost nine years. Thank you. Yeah, that's how it works. Thanks for coming, everybody. Don't get caught.